0: Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Whatever time you're listening to this, please welcome to the Market Color Podcast. This is a weekly podcast that is dedicated to providing our listeners with a broad overview of the global financial markets, including a special focus on the Kenyan markets. And in order to deliver on this objective, we have structured this podcast to begin with an overview of the global markets so as to give you a big picture perspective of the global economy. This is then followed by the Kenyan segment where we review the performance of the local markets with a view to covering all the major asset classes. And finally, we wrap up the podcast by addressing the topical issue for that week, so as to bring you up to speed with the latest financial headlines. This podcast is targeted at the individual with an interest in the financial markets, but who probably doesn't have the time for research and analysis. That is why I created the Market Color podcast to call it and analyze the data on your behalf, and to present it in a brief and concise manner that is easy for you to consume. Ladies and gentlemen, this here is episode number 57. And as mentioned previously, to commemorate the first anniversary of the Market Teller podcast, I'm in the process of writing a book that is focused on fundamental analysis that will help our listeners to develop a better understanding of the global financial markets and in particular, how economic data influences asset prices. I will keep you updated on the progress of this book. So this week, we are reviewing the performance of the global markets during the 21st week of 2023, and that is from Monday the 22nd to Friday the 26th of May. And without further ado, this is your host, Jamuhuri, and together, let's dive. Right in. We kick it off in the United States where we finally have some good news on the U.S. debt ceiling negotiations as the White House and Republican lawmakers on Saturday finally announced that they had reached a tentative deal to raise the nation's debt ceiling and avoid a catastrophic default on U.S. sovereign debt. The U.S. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy said there was still a lot of work to be done but indicated they had come to an agreement in principle which has historic reductions in spending as well as consequential reforms that will lift people out of poverty and into the workforce whilst at the same time avoiding any new taxes or government programs. Staying in the United States, the Federal Reserve's preferred measure of inflation remained stubbornly high in the month of April and reinforced the probability that interest rates could stay higher for much longer than initially anticipated. The Commerce Department reported that the Core Personal Consumption Expenditures Price Index, that's the PCE, which measures a variety of goods and services, but excludes food and energy prices, rose by 0.4% for the month and 4.7% on an annual basis. However, the headline number, which includes food and energy prices, also rose 0.4% on a monthly basis and was up 4.4% compared to one year ago. Inflation has cooled down significantly since its peak above 9% in June 2022, but remains well above the Fed Reserve's target level of 2%. The Fed Chairman Jerome Powell has hinted that the Fed could pause its rate-hiking cycle at its next meeting in June, and this is on the basis that a slowdown in economic growth could remove the need for further monetary tightening. And across the Atlantic in Germany, which is Europe's largest economy, has now fallen into a technical recession. This was confirmed by data that showed a downward revision in the gross domestic product for the first quarter of this year from 0% to negative 0.3%, and this follows a contraction of 0.5% that was recorded in the fourth quarter of 2022. And that means two consecutive quarters of negative growth, which is the technical definition of an economic recession. And in the United Kingdom, inflation dropped sharply in the month of April, and this was mainly due to lower energy prices. The Office for National Statistics reported on Wednesday that headline inflation, as measured using the Consumer Price Index, came in at 8.7% on an annual basis, and this was down from 10.1% in March, whilst on a monthly basis, consumer prices rose by 1.2%. Meanwhile, the core consumer price index, which excludes volatile food and energy prices, rose by 6.8%, and this was up from 6.2% in the month of March, and this will be a major concern for the Bank of England going forward. British inflation has remained stubbornly high and this has prompted the Bank of England to hike its benchmark interest rate to 4.5% and is broadly expected to implement another 25 basis point rate hike at its next policy meeting. In the U.S. stock market, shares rallied across the board on Friday as traders became more hopeful that lawmakers would reach a deal to raise a U.S. debt ceiling and avoid a potentially catastrophic default. Congressional negotiators were said to be making progress on a deal that would increase the U.S. debt ceiling for another two years. The Dow Jones Industrial Average climbed 328 points to settle at 33,093, whilst the S&P 500 gained 1.3% to close at 4,205, and the Nasdaq Composite advanced 2.2% to end the day at 12,975. The Nasdaq rose 2.5% to record its fifth straight weekly gain, while the S&P posted a weekly advance of 0.3%. However, the Dow Jones was laggard for the week as it lost about 1% of its value. In the U.S. bond market, the yield on the two-year Treasury note rose on Friday as investors digested the latest inflation data and its impact on the Federal Reserve's monetary policy as well as the ongoing debt ceiling negotiations. The two-year Treasury yield was trading 10 basis points higher at 4.568%, whilst the yield on the 10-year Treasury bond was flat at 3.81%. For your information, bond yields and prices move in opposite direction, and one basis point is equivalent to 0.01%. In recent weeks, Federal Reserve officials have given mixed signals about interest rates, with some preferring to pause the Fed's rate-hiking cycle so as to allow time for the full effect of elevated interest rates to filter through to the economy whilst others believe that further rate hikes may be necessary to bring inflation down depending on the upcoming economic data. In the commodity markets, the price of crude oil ticked up on Friday as the market weighed conflicting messages about further production cuts ahead of the next OPEC Plus policy meeting that is set for Vienna on the 4th of June. The international benchmark Brent crude settled 0.9% higher at 76.95 US dollars a barrel, whilst the US benchmark West Texas Intermediate closed up 1.2% to 72.67 US dollars a barrel. On a weekly basis, both benchmarks posted a second week of gains with Brent gaining 1.7%, whilst West Texas Intermediate rose by 1.6%. Meanwhile, Marbon Oil, which Kenya imports, increased to 77.26 US dollars per barrel compared to 75.81 US dollars the previous week. In the precious metals market, the price of gold dipped on Friday and was on course for its third straight week of losses as the latest US inflation data raised bets for interest rates to remain higher much longer than initially anticipated. Spot Gold was on track to lose 1.7% for the week and was last seen trading at $1,947 per ounce. Traders are now betting that the Fed will deliver an 11th straight rate hike in June, which could further erode the attraction of the non yielding asset that is gold. We now change scene to the Kenyan financial markets. And as usual, we start by looking at the foreign exchange market, where during the past week, the Kenyan shilling continued to depreciate versus the major international currencies, but remained stable and resilient versus the regional currencies. According to data from the central bank, the Kenyan shilling was trading at 138.13 versus the U.S. dollar, compared to 137.27 the previous week. However, commercial banks were selling the U.S. dollar at between 140 shillings on the lower side to 148 shillings on the higher side. Meanwhile, the sterling pound was priced at 171.20, and the euro was valued at 148.92. And on the regional front, one Kenyan shilling was changing hands for 27.00 27.00 Ugandan shillings and 17.11 Tanzanian shillings and to the this franc it was posted at 8.14 it is still my considered opinion that the Kenyan shilling will continue to depreciate for the foreseeable future as the country remains weighed down by excessive foreign external debt which have increased our debt to GDP ratio above the 70 percent level and as debt repayments consume about 60 percent of total revenue collections. On foreign exchange reserves during the past week Kenya's usable foreign exchange reserves surprisingly increased by 182 million dollars To 6.479 billion US dollars, which is equivalent to 3.6 months of import cover. This amount remains below the required threshold and is in breach of the central bank's statutory requirement to endeavor to maintain at least four months of import cover. Kenya's foreign exchange reserves have now dropped to their lowest level in the past 10 years, and this is a result of increased foreign debt repayments coupled with the country's inability to access the international financial markets due to the high cost of U.S. dollar debt. In the money market, the liquidity situation in the interbank market tightened up during the past week as tax remittances to the government exceeded and more than offset government payments into the market. Commercial banks excess reserves in relation to the 4.25% cash reserve requirement stood at 26.1 billion shillings. Meanwhile, open market operations remained active as the average interbank rate remained stable at 9.25% compared to 9.26% the previous week. During the past week, the average value traded in the interbank market increased to 27.4 billion shillings from 22.9 billion shillings that was recorded the previous week. In the government securities market, the weekly Treasury bill auction was held on Thursday, the 25th of May, and the central bank received bids totaling 22 billion shillings against an advertised amount of 24 billion shillings, representing a performance of 92%. Meanwhile, interest rates increased marginally but remained stable as the bulk of the bids, about 14 billion shillings, were concentrated at the short end of the yield curve, where the 91-day rate shot up by 31 basis points to 10.83%, while the 182-day rate rose by 13.5 basis points to finally break above 11% and settled at 11.11%. And last but not least, the 364-day rate ticked up by 6.7 basis points to trade at 11.45%. For your information, one basis point is equivalent to 0.01%, and therefore 100 basis points is equivalent to one percentage point. Please note that due to the Maduraka Day holiday, the auction for Treasury bills will close at 2 p.m. on Wednesday, the 31st of May. In the primary bond market, during the past week, the Central Bank of Kenya announced yet another top sale for the recently issued three-year fixed-coupon treasury bond, whose reference number is FXD1-2023-03. The Central Bank was looking to raise an additional 20 billion shillings from this top sale, which was offered on a fast come first-served basis, and the central bank received and accepted bids totalling 27.2 billion shillings at a weighted average rate of 14.228%. And here is a quick summary of the key interest rates in the Kenyan financial markets. Start by looking at the central bank rate, which is the rate that the central bank uses to signal and transmit its monetary policy intentions, and this is currently at 9.5%. Meanwhile, the interbank rate, which represents the basic cost of funds and is the rate at which commercial banks borrow and lend money to each other, is now hovering around 9.25%. And on the investment side, the 91-day Treasury bill rate, which represents the risk-free rate of return and is the rate at which government borrows money from the public, is now trading at 10.83%. And on the cost of living, Kenya's rate of inflation is now at 7.9%, which means that the prices of goods and services have increased by that percentage over the past 12 months. The rate of inflation is also a good indicator of the minimum rate required for any investment to deliver a positive a real rate of return. And still on interest rates, the central bank's monetary policy committee is scheduled to meet tomorrow, that is Monday the 29th of May, to review the outcome of its previous policy decisions as well as to consider recent economic developments so as to decide the direction of the central bank rate going forward. We expect that the Monetary Policy Committee will maintain the central bank rate at the current level of 9.5%. At the Nairobi Securities Exchange during the past week, the equities market recorded a mixed performance, with the NASI and the NSE25 declining by 0.6% and 1.2%, respectively, whilst the NSE20 gained by 1.4%. This takes the year-to-date performance to losses of 23% for the NSE, 11% for the NSE20, and 19% for the NSE25. The market's performance was mainly driven by losses recorded by large-cap stocks, such as Cooperative Bank, Equity Group, Diamond Trust Bank, and British American Tobacco, which declined by 6.9%, 3.9%, 2.2%, and 1.8%, respectively. These losses were, however, mitigated by gains recorded by other large-cap stocks, such as Bamburi, NCBA Group, Standard Chartered Bank, and Absa Bank, which increased by 9.2%, 6.1%, 4.1%, and 3.8%, respectively. And in related news, data from the Nairobi Securities Exchange shows that Safaricom's market capitalization has declined from about 49% at the beginning of this year and is currently now hovering around 40%. Safaricom's market capitalization, as at last week, stood at 613 billion shillings compared to a valuation of 967 billion shillings at the end of last year. Safaricom's share price has declined dramatically over the past one year from a peak of 34 shillings per share. It has now plummeted more than 50% and is now trading just below 15 shillings per share. The decline in Safaricom has been attributed to the massive capital investments in the Ethiopian market, which is not expected to break even for the next four years. In the bond market, turnover in the domestic secondary market decreased by 35% during the past week. And in the international markets, the yields on Kenya's Eurobonds recorded a mixed performance, but on average declined by about 37 basis points as the yield on the 10 year Eurobond that matures in 2024 gained by 30 basis points from 15.4% to 15.7%. And next up, we we'll look at the topical issue for this week. And this week, we are looking at why the Kenya shilling has continued to depreciate despite the government-backed deal to import fuel oil on credit. It is now one month since the first cargo of fuel imported under the government-backed deal landed in the country. However, despite the assurances given by various government officials, the Kenyan shilling has continued to depreciate versus the U.S. dollar and was last seen trading on Friday at 138.25 versus the U.S. dollar, and that is based on data from the central bank. The government had anticipated that the deal which requires local oil marketing companies to pay for their cargo in Kenya shillings rather than U.S. dollars would ease the demand for the greenback and therefore help to prop up the Kenya shilling. However, there are two issues that the government of Kenya did not take into consideration and this is the reason why the Kenya shilling will continue to depreciate versus the U.S. dollar. The first issue is the fact that the pricing and importation of fuel oil is still denominated in U.S. dollars, and that means that the nominated oil companies who are importing fuel into the country will ultimately have to still pay for the commodity in U.S. dollars. The only difference being that they now have a credit period of up to six months to effect payment. The second issue is the fact that petroleum products account for about 28% of the monthly dollar demand, and this is estimated at $500 million per month. Whilst the credit period may help to spread out the monthly demand for dollars, it doesn't change the country's demand for fuel oil, which remains fixed at $500 million per month. Whether we choose to pay for the fuel today or six months later, It doesn't change the fact that there is a market-driven demand for $500 million, which will only increase and accumulate with the credit period. And that, in my view, is the reason why the Kenya shilling has continued to depreciate versus the U.S. dollar, despite the government-backed deal to import fuel on credit. And also in the headlines this past week, Kenya's Cabinet Secretary for Treasury and National Planning, Professor Jogun Ndongo, has taken over the chairmanship of the African Development Bank's Board of Governors. Professor Ndongo will lead the Bank's Board of Governors for a term of one year, during which time he will host the annual general meeting in Nairobi that is slated to take place next year in the month of May. And on that note, we come to the end of this week's podcast. Thank you for listening to the Market Color podcast. We hope that you found it to be useful and informative. And if so, please share it to a friend and help to spread the word around. We really do appreciate your assistance in this effort. And for your information, the Market Color podcast is now available on all the major hosting directories. And that is Apple Podcasts, Spotify amazon music and google podcast please subscribe and remember to turn on the to be notified of new episodes and if you have any ideas or feedback on how we can improve this podcast please feel free to reach me on the following email address that is jamuhuri g at gmail.com jamuhuri spelled j-a-m-u-h-u-r-i once again thank you for your continued support I look forward to interacting with you again next week. And in the meantime, please do have yourselves a blessed and fantastic week ahead. And the question for you this week is, if you were to write a book about your life, what would the title be? Think about it. Thank you and God bless.